Hello and welcome back to Pirated Radio. I believe this is episode six. I should really count them before I begin recording these intros, to be honest with you. It's actually episode seven. He is an idiot. This is George. Please send help. In this episode, I speak to a gentleman called Jacob Nelson. And to give you a bit of background on this discussion, my university have a system in place where you can sign up for an industry mentor and you get to speak to them sort of periodically over a certain set of time. And I signed up and my one was Jacob. And so we've been working together over the last few weeks. But to sort of give you a brief overview of what we talk about, it stretches from everything from making sure that you've got kind of a vision to go on in your career, uh, the future of design, including things like the sci-fi future that's approaching us and sort of AI and artificial intelligence, which I know might sound a little bit boring. I promise you it isn't. It's, it's quite long, this one. They seem to be getting longer as I, as I do more of them. <laughs> but yeah, um, I hope you enjoy. Also, on another note, um, I'm just editing this right now. Uh, I've noticed that the audio the is quite noisy. Well, it is on my end when I'm editing it. It doesn't actually show me the, the actual final version, but it's quite noisy on my end when I'm listening to it. So if it is, once it's gone out and it's on sort of all the different platforms, if it is still quite noisy, I am sorry about that. I have tried my best. I've tried to dull things down in, in Audacity, but it's not really working. So not Audacity, uh, Audition. I think it's Audition. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. You can, I think you can still hear things. Um, it's On his end, he's got some kids. Um, on my end, there's, there was somebody just with seemingly a chainsaw outside, it seems. No, it's not actually a chainsaw. I think it was just an angle grinder or something, but that's why there is some noise in the background. Super sorry about that. George, press play on the, the thingy, number six. For the people that are listening that don't necessarily know yourself, can you give them kind of a brief introduction to yourself and what you do and things like that? Yeah, okay. Uh, I guess I would say um, where to start a little bit. Um, uh, How I would kind of uh, wrap it up is um, with my sort of, in a sense, who I am a little bit um, and uh, my philosophies and beliefs, my visions and missions, that's, that's kind of the, the deep kind of framework around who I am. But in a professional light, I can give that really quick. It's really brief. Um, I, I can kind of mention that, that I can go and sort, sort of the kind of the deeper elements of myself. Um, I think that, and that's what uh, that, that we can kind of tie in. We can kind of move into, you know, talking about uh, uh, mission and vision. Um, in regards to my professional uh, career, um, I've been involved in design and development um, through either freelance or through working for um, uh, uh, local or global companies for the past 20 years. Um, and I've, I've been in design development and, and brand and marketing. I've worked uh to help create um, 100 plus projects, project sites, games. Um, uh, I've done various articles and journals um, and, and, and uh, have helped mentor, teach, and educate uh, 200 plus students and employees um, and in various areas such as uh, design, lean UX, lean startup growth, SEO, digital marketing, and so forth. Um, I've won some awards, won, won one major global award. Um, yeah, knowledge, knowledge in various different areas, such as, you know, design um, for sites, apps, games, brand marketing for sites, apps, games, uh, development, 
front end, back end management um, for for teams and products and everything I do. Um, at currently, my position is the head of design R and D um, at Apparits, which is a a domestic Japanese company that does web and uh, web internet services and mobile gaming. Um, and and at Apparits, um, the two things I do there um, are is being a design educator and thought leader. And within that, I'm building a design school, and I have a ongoing design education series talking about the future of design. And the other thing, the other major thing within that I do is uh, uh, being a growth strategist and experienced innovator. So I create and, and implement growth strategies, and also create innovative experiences. Uh, so yeah, to move on to the, the, bit, the kind of leveraging off the back of that. As you've been doing all of this work, have you? Because we spoke a lot about kind of having a positive effect on the world. We both kind of share that same vision of trying to leave the world a better place than it was when we got here, so to speak. So, has that been something that's kind of been shown through your work that you've always had from sort of a younger age, or is it something that you've developed more as a as you've gotten into the industry a little bit more? No, I, I think it's been interesting. You know, I think a life's a journey, and. Um, Sometimes, you know, you're, you're on the right path. Sometimes you're not on the path, you know, and I think everybody knows when they're on the, the right frequency of their journey. Everybody's on their journey, right? And the journey can go forwards, backwards, left and right. Um, but it's about knowing if you're on the right frequency. So I, you know, I think that, you know, at different stages of my life, I've felt like I was on the right frequency. And when I was in the right frequency, I knew that, you know, what, what I was doing was where is, is the right path is the right thing to do. Um, so in the beginning, um, like, you know, in, in my early years, um, you know, when I was, a, you know, I guess, uh, maybe 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, like the, the early stages of my life, I, I was always sort of introspective um, and thought about deep existential questions and, and life, you know. So I, I always knew that, you know, th that life itself wasn't about these material things. It wasn't about, you know, this, you know, this pot bottle, you know, or, you know, like, you know, some glasses, you know, like the objects, right? You know, like just like material things, you know, it wasn't about accumulating that stuff, you know. Uh, Denzel Washington actually has a really a really cool phrase. I, I wish I could steal it. It's so so good. He says you'll never find a U-Haul behind a hearse. <laughs> Think about that. You'll never find a U-Haul behind a hearse. <laughs> you can you can't take what you accumulate to the grave. You can't take you, know, you can't take it wherever you're going. That this journey ends here, and then you, you know, something else happens. Whatever it is, but you know, so it's sort of like you know. Focusing on the material things is it, it can it can bring it, it can bring some happiness, some joy, but ultimately, you know, there is something deeper, and I've always known that. Um, not to go into too much detail about uh, my, my personal life, childhood, um, uh, but I helped raise my younger brothers um, who have what um, one has Down syndrome, one has more uh, yeah severe disability, and that helped me. Um, understand people and create a greater sense of compassion and understanding uh, about life and the deeper meaning of, of this, this reality that we're living in. And that, so that was when I was in, on that frequency and, 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 and knew that, okay, you know, life is, it's deeper than what I see here. There's something deeper and something more important. And that is giving back, having compassion. Um, and, uh, 
at some point I, when we start talking about the uh, um, um, philosophy and my philosophy vision and mission and, and, and the importance of that, I can kind of tap into more about why um, it's really important for all of humanity to have a greater sense of compassion. Um, I think within the next 30, 40 years, because I think if we don't, there's a, I think there's a high probability that then definitely within the next hundred years, we could kill ourselves. Um, and then, you know, uh, so I'm trying to help prevent that. So, yeah, just, I guess to kind of leverage off of the back of what you mentioned at the end there, we may as well move into the kind of stuff that we've been doing with each other kind of um and i've just got i don't know how necessary to phrase this but i've just wrote down what you what you put the importance of having a vision but i'm trying to think of a way to phrase it into a, a kind of a leading question so um we've kind of worked on i came to you with a set of goals that i've got in my career and you kind of helped me um streamline them in a way and make them more concise and more um achievable and you know put them in a, in a, in a kind of, um, a wireframe where I can look at them in certain ways and group them together and all different things like that, which has really helped me kind of focus on different things like that. So I guess, um, the stuff that we've been doing a day as they kind of, um, systems that you've built yourself, the kind of the thinking behind it all or the things that you've kind of pick and taken from other people or how have you how have you gone about developing the kind of the, the system that we that, that we've worked together on yeah um i'd say uh it's a, it's a, it's a ongoing work in progress um everything's in a constant flux this universe is in flux life is in flux processes are, processes are in flux everything i do everything we all do is in flux and you know it's to say that it's always the same is you know is, is sort of incorrect. You know, I, I, I like I like to tailor things to people and individuals and situations and, and contexts, right? So I, I look at the context of whatever we're in, and that, and that includes who I'm who I'm working with, and I help create something that's a little custom to a certain degree. I, I, I don't think that everything has to be necessarily completely custom and or completely um, templated. But there should be a mix of both, right? Because there's, there's, there's pros and cons to both, you know? So if, if, I, ha- if I use just a template on everybody, then it would be hit and miss, right? It's kind of like cost- it's, it's like the, you know, traditional like schooling, right? You know, why, why is everybody falling through? Why do only certain types of people do well in school? I was a horrible student. I never did well. You know, it wasn't until I was in, at, at the uh, university at that level is, is that's when I really excelled. But it was different, right? And and there's and everybody's different and you have to understand you know what works for them so when i help somebody create their vision and mission the tools and things that i use will really depend on what problems they have like for instance when when you had when you were talking about like oh we you already had a list of goals and you've already thought about it okay so i'd be i would probably be using something to help extract a tool to help extract information from that list rather than how do we start creating the list altogether um so you know you're already at a different stage um so i would be using uh different tools processes um but not only that the way I, I the way i even speak to people you know will also change too you know um because um you know when you talk about something very sensitive like visions like somebody, somebody's vision or mission you don't want 
to, you know, make them feel like it, it sucks or it's not very good or it's not right somehow. Right. No, like you, you want to make sure that they feel empowered while they're talking about it, because that's the only way you're, you're going to progress to help them get to where they need to go. So, you know, but so if you're, so for example, if you're speaking uh, to somebody that um, is sort of very straightforward, I guess you can, you, guess, you can sort of take the stance in the conversation and kind of just, you know, uh, cut to the chase. But if, so, if somebody is having a hard time, and you're trying to pressure them to just, what is it? What is it? What is it? Or like, you know, like, you know, like you're just trying to kind of force them into a certain path, then they're going to be reluctant to, to um, you know, uh, come forth with their true feelings. So it depends. Everything depends. The way I speak to somebody, the processes I, I use, the tools, it, it, it will it'll adapt to the problem at hand and understand the context that we're in. So a lot of the work we've been doing has been focusing on, um, kind of setting a specific vision to look for. And I guess I wanted to ask, why do you think it's an important thing to do to set, you know, uh, an end goal to get to, so to speak? Yeah. Um, Is that weird? I can answer this in, in various ways. And I think um, if you don't mind, um, I'll kind of, um, I'll take you through a little bit of a journey about, uh, about, um, vision and mission and sort of these and, and beliefs and this sort of deep look at why, why these are important. And, and, and then I'll speak to, to speak about what, what mine is, but also while, while I'm doing that, I, I, I want you to also you and everybody else to, to listen, to see how it's all integrated. And, and then as, and as I say it, I will also kind of point out um, how I came upon these things as well. And, you know, because you'll go, well, how, how do you create it? How did you even come up with that idea? Or like for you, like, like, like where was that spark for you? And I can kind of, like kind of, uh, give you a director's cut, you know, uh, on how I came up with these different things, you know, as I go through what they are, um, that I can use some insight to understand, um, the things I was doing to actually kind of, uh, look inside myself, the, the introspective look inside myself to see, um, how, how I can create my own vision and mission. Because I mean, if you're if you're starting from zero, and this will help you. If if you already have a head start and you already sort of know the direction, right? Then you're at a different stage, and um, then you know, of course, uh, you would need a, a different tool process. But um, what, what, uh, my story right now will help you um, help people um, at a base level to understand how they can even start thinking about visions and missions and, and why they're important. Um, and so I guess I'll start from there. Um, and okay. So for, for the, uh, philosophy of, of my personal philosophy and philosophy comes before vision and mission. So philosophy is all about, um, the way you think and, and in a sense, your, your beliefs. Um, and for me, um, I feel that it's all about alignment. When your thoughts, feelings, and actions are aligned and repeated, your vision will become reality. And when your vision is a healthy vision, it's positive, you and your world will change for the better. And a change in yourself will cause a change in your environment. Value is then added to yourself and the environment. And a change in the environment will then cause a change in others. And then value is added to the environment and others. And this will be a positive ripple, which will continue. And then the impossible is then made possible. And that's when dreams become reality. That's my deep sort of philosophy. 
Now, the director's cut on that, on how this came to be, was uh, I I noticed that everything that would that, that good happened in my life. You know, like I said before, like being on the frequency, when I was not in tune with the frequency, I wasn't on the right path, and I was going backwards somehow. I feel like I was going backwards. Okay, well, the little side side note here: going backwards does not always mean you're out of frequency. Because sometimes going failing or going in a sense, you feel like you're going backwards. You're not not making progress. Actually, is making progress. So, so there is a difference between um, failing, even if small or big. Uh, and going back and going and feeling like you're going backwards could actually be going forwards compared to actually going backwards. Now to understand the difference between the two is that if you're, if you're failing constantly and like repeatedly and it's not helping at all because then, then, you know, you're, it's not progress because Good failure means that you're learning. You're learning from this failure, and then you're, you're t- taking what you the uh, learnings from it, and then you're changing something. You're tweaking it, and then you're trying it again, uh, a new approach, and then it'll get better a little bit. You can fail again, but you're still getting a little bit of an increase. Um, so that's when you know the failure is a good failure because you're, you're still moving forward a little bit. Um, uh, so in a sense, you're, you're you're falling forward instead of falling backwards. Um, but if things are not helping you and you feel like the, the, your life and the people around you, everything, everything around you is getting worse and, and you're, in a sense you're tanking, you're spiraling down. Right. Um, and they happen very easily, right? You lose your job. You lose, you know, who knows wife, kids, all these things, everything starts going down and you're, maybe you, maybe you start drinking, who knows, you're just spiraling down. Um, then, um, then you can, then you sort of see, you see, see that you're out of the frequency, out of alignment. Um, and, I noticed that when I was in a, in alignment um, with how I what I thought my, my what, what the thoughts I had um, the, the uh, you know the ideas in my head and the feelings um, associated with those thoughts I was thinking of something and I'd feel it and and when I would actually follow through and actually do it um, and I kept doing it um, things would actually happen good things would happen um, if it was a healthy positive vision idea that I had right. Um, it, it can also, you can also manifest things that are really bad for you too, right? If you, if you think you, if you think you suck, if you think you're, you're a bad person, right? Those thoughts, that's what you think. And you feel that way. You feel miserable. You feel depressed and you do actions that are aligned with that. Like you drink and you just eat poorly, bad, bad habits all, all around. Right. So you have the thoughts, feelings, actions that are bad, all aligned, all doing the same thing and repeated. You're spiraling down. But if you just reverse that and you have good thoughts, feelings and actions, you're spiraling up. So um, for me, it was all about noticing that deeper um, sort of um, patterns in my life. And that and that's where I based around that's how I based my philosophy around that, which was noticing the, 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 the deeper me and what was happening, uh, the, 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 the Jacob throughout history, what, what was happening. And I kept, and I kind of, I looked at that as a whole, that whole mapping of me throughout time. And I said, okay, well, what's, what's really going on here? Well, I, I, I started looking at analyzing. I realized, okay, it was really thoughts, feelings, actions, and the alignment. And that was my base philosophy. Now, um, based on the base, uh, a base philosophy or, or thinking about stuff, you can start seeing how that is a foundation for um, understanding uh, that 
you can uh, do things to increase. So for, for me, for example, it was like, okay, so how did a vision and a mission come out of that? Well, um, if I want to spiral up and not down, um, I need something that will help me spiral up. Um, and and it was, well, I want to be a better person. I want to be a better me, spiral up. So I was like, okay, well, I definitely know that part of my vision is to be a better me, right? The spiral up, not spiral down. So better me is part of core to what I want to do. I want to be a better version of myself. But then I kept thinking about that. I go, well, you know, being a better version of myself, it's not only that means about others as well, right? I want, I want others to, you know, so being a, being a, being a better version of myself also means having others be a better version of themselves, raising, raising everybody up around you as well. Right. When you make it, you know, you don't just take off and run into the sunset. When, when, when you make it big or do anything, you, you put your, your hand behind you and you pull somebody else up. Right. So that's, that was part of being a better version of myself. Right the better me would reach back and pull somebody else up and not just run off. So, um, I want to spiral up and then bring everybody else up with me in that vortex. Uh, and so that was, that was the, the vision, um, um, which is, um, so my vision is, uh, well, I guess, so in a sense it's to help everyone, to help everybody become aligned is sort of, goes back to the philosophy. Um, so I want your thoughts, your feelings, and actions to align. And one of the ways I can help people become aligned, which is the foundation of progress towards a better self is by helping them create, uh, a life and or career a life or, and or a career vision and mission. Um, and which, uh, will empower them throughout their life. Um, so empowering people to have a mission and vision is, is, is part of, uh, my, my mission, uh, to reach my vision. So my, my, my vision is to become a better me and a better we for a better future today. Right. Um, and then to get there, the mission is to empower every person on this planet and the next to dream big, live now and inspire change. So that's, so I can see it's all sort of integrated, but it all stems from this sort of base philosophy and thinking about who I am and, and what I'm doing. Um, and that's something where you have to kind of analyze the larger patterns in your life and notice what have you been doing? What's really, what's pulling you in the, in the direction towards alignment and understand why, why you like it and, and why is this a good thing for you? Um, and everybody else and, and everybody knows in, in, in hindsight when it was good. When, when things are good, it's, they're sort of invisible, but it's usually when you're out of alignment, when you go, Oh, wow, I don't have it anymore, but that was really good. I want to get back into alignment because when you're, when you're in perfect alignment, you're in this sort of flow and you, you don't even realize that you're, you're, you're happy and the time just like, you know, zaps by. Right. So, um, if you're out of alignment, looking it'd be even easy for you right now, possibly to, to look back and, and say, okay, I'm out of alignment. I want to, I want to get back to the and have a vision and mission. Think back to when you were extremely happy and, and, and where your life was in the right frequency and you felt very aligned. Think about, um, the factors, the context of that situation and, and time in your life and understand and, and to, to see 
why that was you making progress and being a better version of yourself and where you were going and why and why were you happy and that'll help you understand a little more about your base beliefs and feelings because at that time your beliefs were aligned with your actions right your thoughts feelings and actions and what you thought and believed they were all in alignment and that's why you, you were you felt great but when you're out of alignment um you know then you spiral down and um uh and, and, and without a, a, a vision and mission, it can be very hard to get to get back out of it, right? So if you, if you have a vision and mission and you spiral spiral down a little bit, at least you know how to get back on track, right? You you do well okay, to get back into frequency. I, I go back to the vision and mission that I was working on, and I and I push on it, and then you'll be back into alignment. Why? Because that vision and mission was deeply integrated and aligned with the very fabric of who you are, and I think that's really key. So. Uh, definitely have a vision and mission if you want to be aligned. Just to take it back a little bit, and I, I know I'm kind of I keep shooting off from the the questions that we already had, but um, you mentioned having good goals. Do you have any sort of measuring sticks to be able to test if a goal is good? Like, I guess is, do you mean when you say good, do you mean a kind of morally good, or is it kind of like good as in achievable or what, what kind of measuring stick do you put that up against to say a goal is good, so to speak? In terms of goals, I think goals are very important. I think, you know, there's a classic saying about goals, you know, uh, which is uh, about a ship without a ship without a destination will sink. Right. So a destination is a goal. So you're the ship. And if you have, if you're not, it's the old, this kid's aim was he's not going anywhere. Well, yeah, if, you, if you're not going anywhere, there's no destination. You are in a sense, not in control of your life. The world is in control of your life. Right. So if you have no vision and no mission, if you don't know where you're going in a sense, a goal is, 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 a, is a, a vision is a goal. A goal may not be a vision. Right. So a vision is a huge, huge, like, uh, end, end game goal. It's a big one, the big dream, the big thing. You can have small goals too, but, um, it's important to have that destination. So you know where you're headed so that you're in more control of your life. If you don't have, um, that vision, you don't know where you're going. The world's going to program you. You're not going to program yourself. It's going to program you. You'll be subject to everything around you, your friends, family, the environment. Everything will try to mold you into something. And you won't even realize how you're being molded, you know, because it's because you're 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 it's like you're in a bath and you, and you don't even realize that it's permeating your body. You think that you're separate from the water, right? When you're in the bath. No, it's getting in your skin. I'm sure if you, what if the bath wasn't water, but the bath was some chemical, do you think you, you're not in, not going to get affected by that? No, it's going to be in you, right? It's going to be permeating your body. Um, so uh, you really need to make sure that you have that vision. And, and well, of course, you have the mission to actually reach the vision, but you, need, you definitely need to have that vision um, so that you have direction on, on and so that you're programming yourself. Uh, I, I think if I, can, if I can recall this quote, um, it's from uh, Sadhguru, who um, is a famous uh, mystic and a wise man from India. Um, and he basically, in a nutshell, this is not a direct quote, but this is a paraphrase, um, and saying, in a sense, that people say, what's the difference between destiny and fate? And, well, fate 
is when you are not in control of your destiny, <laughs> right? It's a, it's a, it's a failed destiny is fate. Meaning fate is with the world programming you. It's when you fail to program yourself, when you, when you have your own vision and mission and program yourself, then you have a destiny. Then you're creating, you're inventing the future. You're creating your own life. You're creating things around you. You're creating your future, that, that vision, you're making it a reality. That is a, that's a destiny. So you can create the destiny. But when you don't do that, when you, de- you do no action at all, no steps at all, and you just let the world decide for you everything, then that's fate. And the fate is in the, the world's hands, you know? Um, so I guess that's a little, little side note on that. Um, and another thing about, uh, goals and visions is that I say, you know, a vision, a vision without a plan is blind, right? So you have, in a sense, that plan is, um, is a mission with a roadmap is, is what a plan is. So you have to have a vision, know where you're going and know how to get there. That's, that's the, uh, mission and roadmap because just a mission itself does not actually get you to the vision. So a vision is a destination. A mission is the daily work necessary required to get to the vision, the, the activities, the work. But what's what steps of the activities, right? Like, um, you know, like what sort of process are these activities in, and and you know, what's the roadmap? So you have to have that roadmap, right? You have to have that that, that chart, mapped out chart to to reach that destination. We've talked. A, a number of times about kind of the future of the industry and kind of some more of the moral questions that, that go into it. And, um, I, I personally, I think as more younger people go into sort of more prominent positions in kind of the design world and more in the world in general, I think that we'll begin measuring someone's worth on, um, how much good they've done for the world, sort of, you know, how many good causes they've done work for, as opposed to how much money they've made or how many, you know, how famous they are, things like that. Um, would you agree with that as a, as an analysis, I guess, to begin with? Can you restate that? Sorry. I want to kind of make sure I understand this. So I think going forward, um, because at the moment, awards and things like that, they're normally measured on your client. Like if you, if you were to say, somebody that's had a successful career um you'd normally measure that on um their how much money they've made their client list um how long their career has been things like that and i think i think going forward in the next five to ten years we'll begin to see a bit of a shift where people will um that those type of things will fall to the wayside for the idea of just people doing good work for the world and good work for good causes. And I guess, do you think that, do you kind of echo that thought or is it, do you, do you see it in a different way or? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, there's a lot to be said about this, this area. Um, I think it also reflects what's, um, what we're sort of seeing right now in terms of the change in the mindset of society in the world. Um, and this is one thing, this is one thing, um, but there's many things we can talk about, talk about, um, in a second about the world turning more green and the world, uh, going to, uh, moving towards long-term thinking, but it's all sort of wrapped up into that, that, that idea of understanding, uh, what value really is and what success is 
And I, I think that a lot of people misconstrue um, what value is. You know, I guess in a sense, value is a pretty broad word. Anything can have value, right? Um, um, to, to a certain degree. Uh, but the value that we're talking about is the value that you can't put a number to, right? You can't quantify it. It's, it's, it's a quality, not a quantity. And I think the world we used to live in was the value was quantified. It had a number, like you said, the number of years in, in, in your career, the client, the number of the, the clients, the top number of Fortune 500 clients you had and so forth. There's these numbers to it, right? And this is something that we talk about later also, which is something that I'm trying to do, which is in, in, as far as design, that I'm trying to educate the world on the future of design in many ways, but in particular right now, I'm trying to push PX, which is player experience, um, which comes from gaming actually. And one of the, the, the thoughts, one of the pillars within uh, player experience is, um, is really understanding value, um, which comes from serious fun. There's four types of fun. And one of them is, is serious fun. And within serious fun, there's, it's about value, about generating value. Um, and this value is a quality when you're having fun, when you're enjoying something. Um, and in, in gaming, uh, this is sort of an analogy to kind of help you understand what, how this, this transition of the world is happening. For example, in games, when you uh, place a number somewhere, um, and you make that a focus. I say you have a dashboard, you have a number, um, maybe the number of kills, the number of points, the badges, all these different things. Um, and if you have a number there, people will think it's a game and they will try to increase the number. If it's just, if it actually is a mobile game or a console game or so forth, then, you know, it's, it's sort of harmless. It's just a game. But what happens when you have these numbers in real life? For example, modern day social media. Um, what do we see uh, in terms of the dashboard for Twitter and, and other, other applications? We see numbers as the main thing, right? We see followers, we see likes, we see, you know, we, um, uh, followers, likes, um, any, any other interactions. These are all just numbers that people see and, and, and try to, to hack or beat and try to cheat because they think it's a game. So they try to write, they try to get a bot, they, they try to hire somebody, they, they do anything they can to have more numbers, more points than somebody else. And that, and this, and this thinking, right, this is just, this is just the applications, but that comes stems from a larger sort of thinking about the world. And that's the old world we used to come in, right? Uh, that we're coming from, which is, how do we have more numbers, more points than somebody? Because that means we're better. We have more value, but it's really false value. It's superficial value, right? Uh, it's, it's short-term thinking. You're just trying to beat, beat the game. And the world is going from trying to beat the game to trying to actually have real value. Um, and real value means that, you, you know, if you do have numbers, the numbers are sort of for yourself for, for you know, self-reference just to kind of track your progress, but it's not something you try to highlight to, to show to other people to say that you're better than them because what you're trying to do is create a healthier environment, a better you and, 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 and a better world. So 
focusing on points is not going to make things better. It's going to make it, in a sense, more destructive because people will try to hack it and beat it because they don't think it's a game. So it's a, so we're moving towards value that's a quality rather than a quantity. Just to kind of bridge on the back of that, because you mentioned kind of social media and things like that, do, do you see social media as a negative thing, as a positive thing? If there's, if it is a negative thing, do you have any ideas on to maybe, how to maybe make it better or work or things like that? I also think that's an interesting um, topic as well because... <laughs> Social media likes. Have you watched the? I'm sorry to cut in. Have, have yeah. you watched the Social Dilemma on Netflix at all? No, I haven't. It's it's very very good. It mentions how um, it's kind of what you were saying. Do you know on uh, the Facebook app where you can kind of pull down and it it like goes doo, 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 it like kind of it pings back up. It's designed purposely like a slot machine, so it kind of it feeds that endorphin in your head and things like that, just as kind of a touch point. So I think it, it, it's already built in that gaming kind of thing. It's kind of sewn into the DNA of different apps like that to kind of get you on it more and get you addicted to it a little bit more. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, modern day applications and tools, you know, when you, when you come from a world where, where your values are on quantity and not quality, then you'll do anything like right to, to increase these numbers. And it's not only for the users that are trying to increase the numbers like followers, but it's also the business that just tries to thinks of you as a number and they think, well, how do we, increase more users? How do we increase their time per session? How do we in increase the different interactions with the, the tool? Um, and then it becomes a numbers game rather than, right, uh, thinking about the, the, the quality of the value. You know, just because you can um, tweak or add a, a feature in a tool that allows you to connect to more people doesn't mean that's a good thing, right? Um, having... 10,000 friends on Facebook doesn't mean they're good friends, right? It just means that you have more of these so-called friends. Um, so it's a focus on increasing the, the, the quantity rather than the quality. And and in that thinking, in that game, sort of, the, the, I call it poor gamification, um, which is point thinking, that uh, focuses the, the thinking on a design that is streamlined for addiction rather than streamlined for uh empowerment uh you know like i said you know you you, you interact with something and like you get, you get a like from somebody and, and then you get that that, that endorphin rush you know that that is engineered they're, they're things are designed for you to feel a certain way and to and to be part of that numbers game of getting more points I do this, I feel this, I, I feel good, so I want to get more points so that I feel better. It's like a slot machine, like I said, right? Like you, you just want more points so you feel good. But it's not really doing anything, right? You're, just, you're running in place, and you sort of feel good. And and as you keep running in place and, and you keep getting charged from this thing, the more you do it, the more that circuit is being lit up in your, in, in your brain, and pretty soon – you're at their beck and call to whatever they want. Like they, they, they can, you know, in a sense, uh, make a new change to a feature. And if you're already addicted, you're probably going to go along with it and use it because they, they have you now. They have you in the palm of their hand. 
when, when we were emailing each other and we're talking, we're discussing topics to talk about. One of the things you mentioned was greener design. So do you want to touch on that a little bit more? As you've already talked about a little bit, you know, the world is changing, right? I think it's, it's finally for the better a little bit. And I, I think the whole world was blinded um, uh, by the, the value of quantity rather than quality. And finally, like, like I mentioned before, you don't notice when things are, are, uh, you don't don't only notice how bad it is until you kind of move on to something else. Cause once you're doing anything, you sort of don't have enough perspective to, to, to see how, how good or bad it really is. But once you're sort of out of it, you go, Oh, that was really good. Or that was really bad. You know, in hindsight, and I, as we sort of move towards this new new world value, um, we sort of start to realize that our thinking was um, really backwards. You know, um, that our values are very superficial. Everything was short term. Um, we weren't long term. And now, as we move towards this long term thinking future. One of the things we'll be focusing on is this greener world, a greener design. What that means is it's a renewable world, a sustainable, eco-friendly world. Um, to give you some kind of background on this, uh, according, to, according to research performed by Stanford University, we can make the switch to a fully sustainable global energy landscape by 2050. So um, Stanford collected and analyzed 47 peer-reviewed papers on energy requirements for, for various situations and, and geographies to determine the feasibility of countries um, and regions uh, um, to, to make the switch to renewable energy. And they found, this is interesting, they found that it was entirely possible for them to make the shift. They found that, that we could do it. Um, uh, and, you know, for electricity, transport, uh, uh, building, heating and cooling, all this stuff, um, that we need um, can be supplied relia- um, reliably and with almost 100% uh, renewable energy. So we now know that we can actually, we can do it. It's, it's something that's feasible. The world can be green. It can go green. Um, before, um, I don't know. Maybe we could, maybe we couldn't. But we do know now that we can, um, by 2050, if we pushed on it, we could uh, have a greener uh, a world. Um, and one of the things that that would be would be uh, uh, that they're thinking of could be a multi-nation renewable supergrid, many nations coming together, working together uh, to create big, in a sense, big green grids. You know, uh, us- utilizing different technologies um, and energies, uh, things such as uh, wind and solar power. And as we move towards this greener world, we'll be moving away from oil. So towards the green, away from the black. Um, I think we'll, we'll still have oil, um, to a certain degree, you know, um, it's not going to, it's not going to disappear, but we'll, we'll be definitely be getting greener. Um, uh, so in the future we'll have um, energy, um, you know, from of course, natural gas, still coal, nuclear, but definitely see a huge increase in renewables, wind, solar, hydroelectric. And what I'm really excited about is the, the crazy future technology for renewables, things that we haven't even thought of yet, things such as harnessing the power and energy generated from earthquakes, tsunamis, hurricanes, tornadoes, and, you know, pretty much any other phenomena. Um, we can, if we can harness that, then we can have really nice, uh, clean, renewable energy, right? Um, uh, because there's somewhere in the world is always some kind of disaster or phenomena happening, but if you could just funnel it, 
right? Because this whole world is a living thing, right? In a sense, it's kind of like the matrix. It's like, what if you could, it's like, you're basically a battery. What if you could take the energy that you have and, and then use it and put it into a device and power your, like use your own energy in your body to power your cell phone, right? It's kind of like that. It's like using the planet. It's like using the planet's energy itself to power itself, you know, um, or power other things inside of it. So I think that's an interesting thing. Um, and so with, with that thinking of uh, that future, that green future and the technologies we're talking about, that definitely affects design um, uh, because it's design with the, the world in mind, not just um, right trying to increase these numbers and points of short-term thinking. You're thinking about something larger than yourself and larger than even our species. It's like talking about the world, everything in this world. You're talking about making, thinking about the, the world as a life form um, and, and as a large ecosystem. Um, it's an, so this is an increased focus on empathy, on, on empathy for our planet and ecosystems, not just other humans. Um, so right now uh, we have uh, human-centered design, um, and human and human-centered design will be replaced with something. There's no name for it yet, but I believe it'll be. It could be something called maybe possibly a planet center design, green center design, or maybe even eco center design. Uh, so we went from machine centered design um, 30, 40, 50 years ago, um, uh, which was humans adapt to machines. And then we went to user centered design in the mid to late 90s. Um, and that was. Uh, machines adapt to its users and then human-centered design and from like like 2010 onward to, to now we've had human-centered design which is systems are designed for humans not just use not really users you don't call them users it's much more personal now it's for humans designed for humans but then the future moving uh, towards the future will be going into right this greener design this eco-friendly uh, design, which is eco-centered design, which I, I, I like to call it, you know, it could, it could also be called planet-centered design, but eco-centered design um, is about, these are systems that are designed with the planet and ecosystems in mind and not just humans. So as you can see, we went from, it's like uh, humans adapt to machines, machines adapt to its users, systems are designed for humans, not users, then systems are designed with the planet and ecosystems in mind, not humans. Not just humans, right? Designing for everything. I can, I can imagine um, creating, imagine uh, designing things to extract um, uh, not just energy, but work from other animals. What if, I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking out of the box here, right? Like, you know, have you seen crows and they can do things, right? Like, what if you're, you know, things engineered around you to where the natural life around you was operating on something that was already pre-designed. So whatever that they're doing, it's helping them and helping us. Right. Um, I'm not even sure what that would be. Right. But like, uh, in a sense, understanding how to extract and integrate everything that we do, our actions with the environment to, to sustain and, and create and, and, and uh, create a more renewable um, planet. And, uh, and, and, and you know, in a sense, renewing that waste and, and actions and integrating that, I think it's going to be really key. You know, um, so we're designing for animals too, right, and not just humans. So I guess kind of jumping off of the back of the kind of the the forward thinking kind of discussions. Um, do you have any predictions for what's going to come next for us? Where things are going to go? Things like that. Yeah. Um, 
Now, m- moving up from that base level thinking um, that about the value, the shift in value, right? So we know that we're now moving towards from quantity value to quality value, which means a shift in long-term to from short to long-term thinking from instant to delayed gratification um, from uh, a less green to a greener world. Uh, and along with that, um, in, in order to make that possible, we need um, one of the things that we'll need are, is, are technologies that, that can scale. And I think it's really interesting, actually, that the technologies that we need to solve our problem come at the exact time we need it, you know, um, because if we were trying to do these things, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it would be very difficult to scale some of this stuff. But um, you think, well, how, how, by scaling, how does that work? What technologies are going to help scale us to be greener, faster, and, and, and upgrade things in this world faster, make it better, faster? Um, and there are many things. Um, Things like quantum computing, uh, DLT technologies, that means uh, things like blockchain and hash graph and so forth. You know, the, uh, in a sense, the, the 2030 IoT future that we're moving towards, this all connected, all digital future, allows for things to scale. Um, because, for example, uh, if you had a energy grid that was using that was using some sort of uh, blockchain or hash graph technology, um, then you would be able to um, sell your own power back to a, a main grid and get paid back fast. And that's immediately, right? Because you're not dealing, in a sense, with uh, normal currency anymore. You'd be dealing with some sort of a digital currency where the system can pay you back immediately, right? Um, so... For example, if, uh, imagine um, you're homeless and you have a backpack. Uh, you're homeless and all you have is a backpack. But what if you had that backpack had it was covered in these sort of solar cells, and um, it would you'd be outside all day because you're outside all day, and you, you're, it's charging, and you can use that that charge from your backpack maybe to power your phone and other things on you. But you can also sell power back to the grid, and and that, and they would pay you for that power, that solar power, right? So you can you can sort of seeing how well it's creating opportunities. These, these, these things are scaling, right? What if everybody had a backpack? Everybody's selling things back, right? So that's how it scales. Um, but that's just one type of thing. What if everything could have a solar cell on it and and capture the sun's energy and send, then send it back to the grid and get paid for it? You know, then that's also you're scaling solar solar power and solar energy back to the grid. Um, but that's just one thing. So these technologies are allowing us for scale, not, not just to integrate, um, but it's, it's the scale of things is, it, is important, right? If you think back to um, when the internet um, was just starting out in the 90s, you know, we sort of had some scale, I guess, right? But the applications weren't really there to help, to, you, know, you know, you didn't have millions and millions of users on one tool. Um, Whereas now you have billions of people on, you know, these, these apps and because things scale, the, the technology is there for us to scale, you know, and the impact is greater. Same thing here. You know, we're going to have um, these technologies that are just going to help us scale whatever we're trying to do much faster. And if we're trying to go green faster, it's going to help us scale that. 
Um, one of the cool things that I think um, that's going to come out, um, especially, um, it's, it's really important for me, um, or, or to me, is um, imagination and dream recorders. I think that's something that's going to be uh, probably probably the most important, I want to say discovery, I guess, invention of uh, this century. Um, because I'm not going to say forever because, you know, these things could come after this, but I'm saying definitely that I think this century, I think um, things like, because all, we're also going to have uh, telepathy, uh, telepathy machines, and that'll be, also be from uh, Neuralink and, uh, or others, but also imagination and dream recorders. Um, I think that, I think that's going to be the most important for this century is because we have to upgrade our bios um, the, it says the mind, which, which I think the, I call the mind, the bios basically. And, you know, the hardware and software has been something that we've been working on in a sense, developing and evolving, um, in, in this old world that we lived in, but moving forward, we have to upgrade this bios because the bios is something that if you change, it's a fundamental thing that if you change your actions, your beliefs, everything changes, right? Um, as we all know, if you want to, if you want to see the change in the world, right, you have to become the change that you want to see in the world. You have to do it yourself. You can't change others. You have to change yourself. Um, do you think a new tool is going to change people? Do you think any new app is going to change somebody? No, they have to change themselves. So it's, we know it's not the hardware, it's not the software that matters. You know, that's not where change comes from. It's not how you get things done, you know, at, 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 a, at, a, at a scale that we want, right? And the speed that we want. If you want people to be, be better versions of themselves faster, you want the world to be greener faster, one great way is to, in a sense, download empathy, download compassion. Um, and that means the, the mind. So imagination and dream recorders will allow us to see what's going on in the mind. You can see it on a screen, but also allow you to at some point, download the information back into the brain. So you'd be able to experience what it's like to be disabled or to, you know, not have any money, you know, but also experience what it's like to be filthy rich, you know, or to have no disabilities, right? So you can go in reverse, you can go in either way, but you, you get to actually, we, we say, you know, um, try to try to experience what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes, but this 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 way you can actually literally do it. You're actually going to be able to relive that. You're going to live their dreams and their thoughts and their feelings. So you're going to download that mapping into your brain, and you'll actually be able to relive that. I think that's important to help upgrade the BIOS because if you want the fastest way to change yourself is to download your a new self, right? I mean, you can you can, and so downloading these new memories, these new thoughts, these new feelings is a good way to start changing your beliefs. And I think that it's going to be a tricky, tricky world, right? Because what if you download something that, you know, you didn't want to believe now you're now it's downloaded, right? I mean, it's, it's a whole new frontier. We don't even know what's going to happen, but I, I think if we, if we execute it right, um, it's, it's a good thing. And yeah, we'll definitely have a, a healthier, greener world. Um, you know, uh, and also healthier people as well. So, uh, to, to a little more on that is, um, so our technology right now is advancing faster than our values. I think that's a good way of putting it. So right now we are irresponsible children inventing and playing with immensely powerful technology. Um, and I think that if we don't increase our compassion, understanding and have uh, well, a multitude of other values, we won't survive. 
humans are, I think humans are very beautiful, like everything else. And I don't think, I don't want to let our beauty die. Um, I want our beauty, this beauty of, of our thoughts, this, uh, this human experience to be shared with the universe. You know, I want to add, we say add value to not just, not just yourself, but others, but I think you think even larger than that. I think you dream even bigger, you know, add value to the universe. And ultimately I want a better future today. Um, and things such as the imagination and dream recorder will be a catalyst for the change from within. It will enable you to become the change you, you wish to see in the world. Um, in your dreams and from your dreams to reality. So you can just download this stuff, download compassion, download better values, download a better you, then and then this will inspire change and we can experience a better future today. To kind of, I guess, leverage off of the back of that, you, the way you're talking about the future is almost seems a little bit kind of cyberpunk, Black Mirror, kind of almost Terminator kind of thing, you know? So I guess in terms of can you see that becoming a thing and how do we combat kind of ai taking positions that i guess we want to keep as humans and do you think maybe ai will get to a point where it can you know it can it can understand emotion it can do all things like that can can robots you know can we get to a point where computers can make you know the Mona Lisa every week and things like that, I guess. So there's a, there's a few things I want to uh, kind of touch on with this. Um, one is, you know, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is it, is this going to doom us? Um, is this going to help us? Um, and also what, what is this, what does this really mean? Like, what are we really talking about when we say intelligence? Right. I think that's a key word that we'll kind of t- t- touch on a little bit because that's that's sort of like the, the defining word when you say t- intelligence. Is intelligence is that is that something that's only relegated to the humans? Can anything else have intelligence? <laughs> you know, it's like we say, yeah, human has human intel- human intelligence versus artificial intelligence. But what do you mean by by intelligence? That's a thing, you know, because everything has intelligence, and I, I don't think human intelligence is something that may not be just human. I think other things could have human type intelligence if like other creatures out there in the universe would have, it's, it's, you know, it's perception is part of it, but I think intelligence is, is uh, multifaceted in terms of how, how it's comprised. Um, there are many different types of intelligence. Um, and uh, for example, uh, there's, you know, like in school, we classically think that there's just in a sense to be you kind of praise two different kinds when you when you're either like, you know, we you know, you know that in schools, there's the arts, the art side, the kind of the arts intelligence. Right. Um, and then you have uh, well, it's, it's arts, language, literature. It's that side. And then you have the sort of the science side. Right. It's like science and non-science. Um, and that's really just chopping intelligence down to like two different categories. And, and there's much, much more going on than two different categories of stuff. Right. Um, and with, and out of those two categories, we usually say that the sciences are better, right? Oh, that's, if you have, if you have a science degree, if you have a, you know, some kind of career in science, then, then you're really smart. And then but we don't value the other types of intelligence out there. And that's really got us into trouble. I think is by, you know, the, the educational system and what we focus on has really, you can see, see how it's changed everything that by thinking that the one type of intelligence, which is that, um, uh, frontal lobe intelligence, which is, uh, you know, 
the consciously aware you, the one that the you that makes decisions, the you that tries to calculate, the you that tries to do things, the one, the one that you call yourself by, by your first name, that that ego you, you know that that intelligence is is just a tool, and it's one and it's one type of intelligence, but it's not everything, right? There's so many other types of intelligence out there that are happening without you doing anything, right? You think that you can do all these things and you're so smart with that, you know, frontal lobe intelligence, you know, that with that science degree, whatever it is, but that's just like a fraction of the, the intelligence that's occurring and happening within your body. Like if I asked you, how are you beating your heart right now? Right. How are you regenerating your, your, your cells and your, your cells in your body right now? How are you doing that? It's an intelligence that's happening right now. You can't explain it, but it's happening, you know? And would you say that that's it's an intelligence and that's, pretty advanced intelligence i would think so because you can't do it you can't you can't just think and go okay cells regenerate and do it you know we could barely open a pop bottle you know a water bottle like you know i mean talk about intelligence you know we're not that smart um and i think we have to as we move towards this future of value we will start to see that We'll be more humble and more grateful for the things that are actually happening around us as we move towards this quality of life and see that intelligence is something that's not just strictly the domain of humans. We, you know, we don't have the rights to all intelligence in this universe, you know, um, and there's just so much going. And then once you start extracting this intelligence, we'll start to sort of understand that it's the fabric of everything. It's not like, it's not about separating things. It's about integrating things. That's something that we've, we've seen with, you know, the world moving towards inclusion, right? And, and integrating and, and including things. And that's, that's good. Um, because it shows that everything's an ecosystem. Um, and so rather than segregating uh, AI and, and, and uh, machines and humans, we should integrate them, right? Um, everything should be integrated. Um, and we all sort of share um, this sort of intelligence whether you call it machine or human or not, I, I, I definitely think that's, that's, that's to some degree we'll be able to experience machine intelligence and machines will be able to experience human intelligence. One, one way I believe would be things such as like, once we have things like the imagination and dream reporters, things like that, once you're able to, to down, not only see it, but download information into your brain, you will be able to control certain parts of your brain and, and in a sense, a mapping that will allow you to have a certain catered or tailored experience that will allow you to, in a sense, experience what it's like to be not only other other humans, but be a machine. You know, um, I'm not sure. We, we don't know. Maybe the machines. Maybe go. Well, what does that feel like? I don't know. Maybe ask the AI what it feels like to be a machine, and then you can then they can they, then you can download it from them, right? I don't know. But that would be one way, right? I mean, they're smart AI machines. They can tell you, well, I feel this way. Do you want to feel this way? Okay, you have zero, you know, this, zero, this, plus this, you know, and they'll, they'll just download it to you. And, you. and then you feel like you're that. And you go, wow, that's an interesting experience. I feel very different, you know? I'm not saying good or bad, but you feel very different. You definitely don't feel human, right? Um, but I don't know if that would be some of the purest form because you know, you're so biological, but I mean... We, we don't really know. We're sort of playing. We're sort of experimenting and learning and evolving in, in this area. But definitely, I think we'll move towards a point where you can be able to have these certain types of experiences. And I even think that you know, you know, we already have the capability right now, um, in a sense, to have 
to experience things that are sort of outside yourself. That, that um, and one one thing is that we that we know is from uh, dreams. For example, when you're dreaming, um, and you uh, let's say you're dreaming that you see your your mother, your father, and um, and you're and talking to them about something, whatever, right? While you're talking to them, um, you don't think that they are not you. You think that they're your mom and your dad at that point in time when you're in that dream. You think that they're separate entities. You think that it's your mom, that's my dad I'm talking to, and I am me, right? But it's not, right? We know that it's all in a dream, so it's all you. But you go, well, how? it's all me, then how does it feel like I'm separate from that other just my mom and dad in the dream because your your brain your mind is able to compartmentalize itself consciousness or awareness that high level of awareness it can compartmentalize itself and so you know it's like this big big bowl of big uh, bowl of water here and i have one drop there's in that drop it's still water so in a sense it's it's like so everything so, if you, so consciousness, it's in all of that. It can compartmentalize itself into one piece and still be the whole. So um, when you can compartmentalize things, um, like in a dream, it already shows that we can take it one step further and do sort of this artificial compartmentalization by downloading certain mappings that will allow you to experience things that are somewhat outside of your own uh, conscious awareness and states. <clears throat> so you would be able to experience what it's like to be somebody else. Like what if you downloaded your friend's mind and, but it, it only ran for 10 minutes and, and for that 10 minutes, you were not you, you were him. It was like a live feed. Like maybe it wasn't even like a, like a, like a downloaded package, but maybe it was just like he, everything that he does that he's like that you can close your eyes. Everything that he does, it's gonna funnel all that information into your head right now, and you're just gonna be him for ten minutes and see and feel exactly. It's like basically a copy. It's like it's copying everything that he's doing. All that information is being processed in his brain and put into your brain after it's processed. So you feel it all at the same time. Or maybe it's life. Who knows? I'm just saying that we're gonna be able to do that because we can. You know, you can compartmentalize things in the brain, right? Even within dreams, we know that now we can compartmentalize the mind. So we can possibly compartmentalize non-human experiences. I guess one thing I did want to ask you as well um, to kind of take it a little bit outwards, I guess. Um, you can you you obviously you're a very very intelligent man and you you obviously have a, a very sophisticated way of thinking about things so i wanted to ask do you have a way of sort of when somebody comes to you with a problem be it in work or you know in the, in mentoring or anything like that do you have a do you have a set of rules or systems that you go about tackling a problem with i guess yeah completely i would say you know um, Einstein actually has a quote about. I, I, actually, I don't think this quote applies to everything, but I do like it in certain in a certain contexts to kind of talk about this quote. He talks about basically um, to paraphrase it. You know, if he had if he had to save the world and he only had an hour, he would think of he would think about the right question to ask, right? And and he would spend fifty five minutes doing that, and five minutes you know to actually execute on it, you know. Um, but he basically says, you know, it's more about finding the right question, right? Like, what are we really trying to do? What are, we, what are you trying to solve? Because the goal is to solve the right problem, right? 
so like have the right solution for the right problem, not just any solution for any problem. And a lot of people um, try to use either a template or try to just give their own, uh, impose their own beliefs and experiences on the other person and apply it, right? Oh, it worked for me. It'll work for you. So that's how people approach things. Um, you know, I experienced it this way, so and I solved it this way, so maybe you're doing the same thing. And it's usually never the case, right? Because everybody else is experiencing a completely different life journey. If things look the same, it's probably only the same on the surface. The moment you ask more, you'll realize that that's connected with a crazy different root system than in yours. It just looks on the surface, it looks the same, but on the bottom, it's completely different. So if you're trying to attack at the surface level, then you're probably not going to get a hit because you're not actually going deep enough to understand exactly what's really happening because that's how you solve it. You don't solve it up here. You solve it way down here, right? First principles thing, you solve, you understand the base level foundation of what's happening, right? Like, so kind of like what I was saying before is like, if you don't solve, you don't, you don't uh, save humanity by uh, giving us a better app. You save humanity by upgrading our values and how and, our, and, and compassion. You upgrade the BIOS itself, and then everything that we do will be better, right? You go at the very bottom layer, um, and so you have to do the same thing when you attack problems, which mainly means just listening, listen to everybody, and honestly listen to what they're saying, and don't interrupt them, and just listen. Um, because that's the only way you can get enough information to actually formulate the right question that you need to ask so that you can actually come up with solutions. So you do is do a lot of listening, do a lot of different types of research that mean gathering information and research, and then you synthesize that research. Um, basically, uh, you synthesize all that all the yeah, data points from that research from listening and other types of, of things like observation of the behavior and different different types of things of, of getting that data from that problem. Um, a person talking about their problems, and then you synthesize it with different tools. Um, um, depending on the size of the problem, it can be very easy or more complex uh, way of, of extracting the insights from that data set. Once you do that, once you have enough insights then you can start to piece together the insights to understand what question are we really trying to do? Like what is, what is the problem? And then, and that'll help you arrive at the right problem. And what it usually means is that you're, you arrive at the, the problem question or the thing they're trying to tackle is that, that question is usually something that the person who has a problem does is not even aware of, because if they are aware of it, they have already started working on solutions. That's why they're probably coming to you for advice on what do I, what do I do? Or they, maybe they're not doing anything at all because they don't even know what the problem is because they haven't done their own research into themselves to understand what's really happening and, and, and analyze it to pull out the insights to actually to create the right problem um, question so that you can start then ideating and, and, and coming up with solutions for it. So in a sense, in a nutshell, you just do a lot of listening and a lot of observing and have empathy while you do that to really understand, well, what, what are they thinking, saying, doing, feeling, and try to be, you're, try, you're trying to, you're trying to become them as much as possible. You're trying to be, you're trying to become the problem as much as possible so that you can extract the insights better, right? And when, when a problem is for yourself, it's much easier to solve it. Not always, but usually easier to solve your own problems than somebody else's, right? Because you know yourself better than them because you have insight into your own data set better than their data set. And so, um, 
since they're, since they're not you, you really have to work hard to understand, listen to them, what is really going on and have to have empathy and, be, and become that problem that they have. That's not you They're become their problem so that you can experience their problem and feel their pain. And then at that point, then you're sort of a domain expert in their problem. And then you can pull out the right question and say, okay, here, here are the different insights. And, oh, these insights are pointing to this question. Like, how do you do the da, 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 or how should we do this? Or how do I do this here? You know? And then once you have that, then you can start ideating and coming up with solutions and things. And, and that's, that's a whole different, um, that's a, sort of the solution phase of things. But, um, in the beginning, you're just sort of trying to figure out what the, the, uh, the problem space and getting insights from it. Yeah. There's a, um, there's a, in a sort of similar vein, there's a brand designer called Brian Collins who owns a company called Collins. And, um, he talks about, he calls it the hidden dragon. So normally when a company comes to him and they'll say, we need a new logo because of such and such a reason, normally he'll say that that isn't the reason. The, the one that they're tying him directly isn't, isn't, it's never the reason. There's always a dragon sat underneath that, be it problems in the company or such and such that you need to find to actually conquer a problem. So it's never the first, it's never sort of the top layer of the cake or sort of it's the, 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 the top of the lake or anything like that. It's always the monster sat underneath that you need to get to, to actually fully discover how to, how to approach the problem, how to discuss it and things like that. You always need to look a lot deeper than, than people come to you with originally. So yeah, so I guess with my podcast, there's kind of two pillars with it. There is the future of design and there is students, which is, they're the, they're the two kind of principles that I've got with this. And I think we've covered the future of the dying tenfold. But I guess to, to bring it back to more of the student perspective, I wanted to ask, this is something I ask everyone, to, but if you were to, uh, is there any piece of advice you'd give to a student which is just about to graduate now or somebody that's just graduated into industry, be it, you know, any any type of creative industry, I guess. It's not just sort of UX, UI, it'd be sort of, you know, it might be music production, it might be video production, anything like that. Yeah. Um, there's many things that I, I would I would say to do, but um, I think one of the, the the biggest things I would say because you know, and I'll relate this back to this sort of analogy back to graphic design or any sort of design where you are being ultra creative and there's a big art element in it. As you know, when you're when you're using your imagination and you're in your in your being creative, you know, openly creative with your imagination, you know, there's, there's no right answer that you can go to right away and go, oh, here it is. I got it. You know, it's coming right out. I'm just like tracing from my imagination. Nobody, very few people are tracing from their imagination. They already see it as an image in their head and they're just tracing it. Right. It's sort of an evolution that you're trying to understand the space, the problem space. And you're trying to see, well, what am I, what am I really working with? What am I really trying to do? And you're, and you're, and you're, Add the, act, the motion of you actually uh, doing the action of you doing something and creating and drawing or whatever it is you're doing is also working with your imagination and it's pulling things out as you do it. And as you pull it out, you, it starts building on itself and it goes, Oh, not that this or this, this is good. And it starts, and it start, you start naturally saying yes or no to stuff because it's, it's moving it's in action. It's in motion and thing, and there's more information and there's a feedback loop that happens that allows you to say yes or no and, and it go in a certain path. So with that analogy in mind, think about your life and think about um, making sure that you're, you're acting right and not just 
stopping yourself before you act. Because um, if you if you were trying to draw something and you stop yourself before you drew, drew it, would you ever draw it? No, you, you stopped. You're not, not doing anything. You just you have a blank piece of paper for your whole life. Right. But if you actually want to do something, you actually have to start drawing on it. And yes, you'll have a lot of mistakes. You'll have many pieces of paper that are just crap, right? Like bad sketch, bad sketch or whatever it is. But each time it's getting better, right? So you're failing, but you're failing forward and you're getting better and better and better. You're learning about the problem space. So if you think, if you apply that same thinking to your life, your life is a blank piece of paper and you, and you need to act now and not be afraid to fail and just and have fun with it. Because it's a problem space. Your life is a problem space. It's your journey problem space. And you're just trying to see what works. And, and But make sure you have that feedback loop, right? And a vision and mission will help you create the right drawing, right? Because if you said, well, I'm going to draw something, and, and, and you had no idea what you're going to draw, there's no vision, right? You have no idea what you're going to draw. You're just drawing. Who knows what it's going to be? It's going to be scribbles. It could be anything, right? It could be anything, right? But if you know what you're going to draw, then at least you, you, you have a, a destination and then you can actually start acting on it and identifying that problem space. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so make sure you, you know, fail big. Um, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Keep, keep moving, keep acting, uh, tweak things, you know, uh, like that feedback loop. If you fail, understand what went wrong. Approach it again with that, with that, with the new information on why you failed and try again, you know, because it's all about having that grit. Um, and, and not being afraid to fail is, is really important. And I think that's what stops everybody from actually doing things that they really want to do in their life. And when you, when you graduate, you want to get all these big dreams, but you never actually, not, a lot of people don't actually do it because they're afraid for, for, for something or something, something is stopping them. I mean, maybe it's not their own fear, but, you know, they're not acting on things enough so that they can identify and understand that problem space so that they can see, Oh, okay. It wasn't this, it was that. And they can kind of maneuver and have progress because when you have progress, that's when you're truly happy. Um, and, and I think, I think that is, those are some words I think that uh, I would tell my, my old self and, and the students out there. Um, I guess a, a quote that I, the last quote that I have, um, this is one of my personal quotes. Um, um, and it's about not waiting to be an expert to do something, right? Um, you, so you don't have to be a master of the universe to get started. But you do have to get started if you want to become one, right? So you have to move. You have to do something. And it, hopefully it's aligned to what you're trying to do, that vision, if you want to do anything, right? So you just have to get started, you know, whatever it is. The worst thing you do is not do anything at all. Because if you don't do anything at all, the world will program you. And it's usually not a really good program. It's usually a crappy program. So that's it. I guess lastly, do you want to just plug anywhere where people can find you online? Yes. Um, I have a, have a few things. I don't really post too much, like I said recently, but I do have things, places you can find me online. Um, uh, uxdig.com, uh, it's an old portfolio, eight years old. So, uh, check back, um, at some point, um, for the new one coming out this summer. Um, a lot more stuff on there. Uh, and then there's a Twitter, uh, you can find me on, um, a, a few different Twitter accounts. 
the more, the more spiritual one is uh, uh, ultra deep blue underscore at the end ultra deep blue underscore twitter.com slash ultra deep blue underscore and then the one that's not as I say spiritual is not as you know uh, right brained um, quality focused it's more career focused and that is the level 99 design and and that's twitter.com slash level 99 design and those are the main ones. I have an Instagram one, a couple of those, but I don't really, I don't use them that much. Um, and, uh, the other, the other thing I want to mention is that I'm always open to, to help people. And if you have any question, you know, um, you can, um, send me a, a PM on Twitter or something like that. Um, but other than that, um, other than that, I do offer, uh, mentoring It's paid mentoring, but, um, uh, Definitely say it's worth it and any good discount. Um, and I'll, I'll share that, uh, that link, um, below. Um, and, uh, you can use a code that we'll have there and you can get a, a big discount. Just on a personal note, I'd say that if you are offering personal mentoring, things like that, I'd, I'd really tell people to, to go on and grab it like as ASAP. Cause I think that the work that I've been able to do with you has really been quite profound and it's allowed me to kind of um because as you said i kind of i kind of already came in with some goals so i wasn't able to take advantage of being able to to kind of find them out for myself but um working myself being able to kind of streamline things and put people into put things into buckets as, as we talked about and things like that has really has really helped me kind of clear things up i guess and things like that so yeah, I tell people to go to you at ASAP, really. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. That's great. Hello, it's me again. I don't know why I say that. You know, you know it's me because I'm in the podcast. I don't know. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, I know it kind of wasn't necessary about completely about design at times. But I thought kind of that Jacob would be an excellent person to have on. This is a very intelligent person and he's got some interesting ideas about sort of the future of the industry and sort of things like that. But yeah, I suppose if you want to chat with me online, you can find me on Instagram at Pirated Material. Um, my website is piratedmaterial.co.uk. Um, I did have TikTok, but I've stopped doing them because I, I just can't be bothered, to be honest. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you for listening. I shall see you next time.